Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Bleeding Blue. This is a New York Football Giants history podcast. It's a New York Football Giants history show. And with me, as always, is one of my best friends, Snacks. Today, we are going to be talking about Super Bowl 25, Super Bowl 46. It actually is uh, Super Bowl week in our real lives and in our real world. Snacks, how are you doing? Are you excited to talk uh, two more Super Bowls? I'm doing well. I cannot complain. Um, my football-free weekend, I thought it would suck, but it was actually very relaxing. And I am very excited to talk about two more Super Bowls. Hopefully hopefully soon we could talk about others. Others. In real... You know, meaning... Others meaning in, yeah. like, in real time now... But then the crazy thing about this podcast is we would have to wait like maybe five years for that to pass. And then we could talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. So it's tough. That's a good that's a good point. I don't even know if I'm gonna make it five no, more years. We're so not. definitely um that's fine. I I had dominoes last night. Um You had dominoes I saw you had dominoes last night. I saw two. I really wanted I really wanted to see a third before it's all said and done for me. Um but you know, two's not bad, so Let's talk about one of them we did see. I love it. I love it. So Super Bowl 46, we're going to jump right into it. Let's Super go. Bowl Super Bowl 46, February 5th, 2012. The New York Football Giants defeated the New England Patriots by a score of 21-217 in Lucas Oil Stadium, the house that Peyton built. Overrated. Yeah, I was about to say give us a quick 10-second thoughts on Peyton Manning. Couldn't win the big game, couldn't beat Tom Brady like his brother could and uh he's overrated great regular season quarterback statistically one of the best ever overrated hate him sure okay 21 17 new york football giants won patriots were three point favorites the over under was 53 and a half eli manning was your super bowl mvp snacks i'm gonna hand the reins to you whether it's feelings whether it's thoughts whether it's a game ball you want to give out what do you what do you want to talk about oh i mean Everything, it's funny how four years prior they were 12 and a half point dogs and then only three. Um, for a team, I may add, was not even close to being as good as the 07 team. No. This 2011 Giants team was not good at all. I think I may have it backwards. They had like the 32nd ranked rushing game and like the 30th ranked defense. Yes, I think it was especially the pass defense was pretty bad, like 31st ranked pass defense, but definitely the, the rushing game was. Last, like their rushing a, a, offense was abysmal. Bad. Everything was abysmal, and you had Amon Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs, two very productive running backs. That offensive line was was terrible, led by David Boss, 
giant legend. Fucking... Who was that left guard? Uh, was it oh. still Snee? No, no. I mean, Snee, yes. Kevin Booth, maybe. Huh? Yes, it's. Uh, and, and how do we like to categorize Kevin Booth? The fattest show? ass in NFL history. <laughs> Literally, the fattest ass in NFL history. Uh, Clem brings this up. How uh, the gray pants did no one any favors in terms of making no, the ass look no, bigger. For sure. And you could see, Ke- you could land an airplane on Kevin Booth's ass. God bless him. God bless him. Seriously. You, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of girth down there. Um, but besides men's asses. Um, Which we love to talk about on this show. Love to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. We're a pro men's ass podcast. But the game itself. Um just an awesome game, and I thought that game was going to get away from us for a little bit because I think there was a point in time, it was after halftime or leading into halftime, and then after it, Tom Brady completed like 12 passes in a row. 16. 16, yeah, even worse. And it's just like, okay, this guy cannot be stopped. They weren't like scoring at will, but they just couldn't be stopped. And I believe it took a Wes Welker dropped pass that he probably catches 9 out of 10 times, even though the ball is a little bit behind him, to give ourselves a chance for Eli to go down and score. And sure enough... And he did that. Also, also shout out to uh, murderer scumbag Aaron Hernandez. He caught a touchdown pass that game. He did. He did that duo of Hernandez and Gronk. Now, Gronk was hurt in this game, and that plays was. a tremendous factor. A tremendous yeah. factor in this game, how Gronk was hurt. And they were still trying to feature him, you know, a lot, a, a mm-hmm. decent amount. Um, when you think that maybe Hernandez, maybe you think the role should have flipped because Hernandez was a little bit more healthier, was definitely more athletic. Um, but yeah, Gronk being hurt really hurt them. And I'm trying to find this Giselle Brady quote. Um, I love the way I love this one meme. You know how um, it's like A to Z quotes, and they make some quotes that some people have said like dramatic. Yeah, so, I also hate Giselle. By the way, Just I'm trying to, to find. Giselle Brady quotes. I'm going to find it and I'm going to put it on the screen right now, but I want to, yes, here it is. So A to Z quotes and it's like dramatic, like it's her picture in the corner. The more you, oh no, damn it. She actually has other, other quotes that she says. She's got a lot. She's she's a pest. She she talks. I'm sorry. That was mean. That was mean. mean. (laughs) I know what you mean, but. The the quote that she said after the game, that's uh, my husband can't fucking throw and catch the ball. Mm Mm-hmm. So it turns out yeah. that she she is a model, but she also has a lot of other inspirational quotes that people like to that people like to grab. But my favorite quote that she ever said was, "My husband can't throw and fucking catch the ball at the same time." Yeah, well, he can't. Can't. So just shut up. Just shut the fuck up. Um, Who gets your game ball? Okay, so my game ball, uh, Steve Weatherford. I knew it. Steve Steve Weatherford gets my game ball. Um, the punter at the time, and I've said on the podcast before, uh, although I know Steve Weatherford watches this weekly and religiously, and sure. even, re-watch, even rewatches and re-listens when he's done watching it. Um, I'm not his biggest fan. I think he's a little bit annoying on social media. Uh, go to hell, Blake Martinez. But Steve Weatherford had a masterful punting game. Every time he punted the ball, I think the Patriots were pinned inside the 10-yard line. The whole game. He was brilliant, and that changes field position. That is that's game changing. If you have a punter that can consistently have the Patriots pinned, backed up all the way in their own territory by their end zone, um, take some pressure off the defense, 
for the 30th ranked defense in the, in the yep. league going up against Tom Brady. I think that's a pretty big thing. So shout out Steve Weatherford. He gets my game ball. Um, just a little. That's that's. Oh, I love well, I it. I guess it could see us. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. You could. Well, you could also see us on the Zoom in in there. But yeah, that says uh, to Nick, all the best, Steve Weatherford, Super Bowl forty six. So Stevie gets my game ball. Yeah, but the the, the directional punting in Super Bowl forty six was a major storyline, and Tom Coughlin talked about it. I think leading up to the game as well, but having a defense like the Giants had where they were inconsistent. Now they they turned it on, you know, especially the pass rush, they turned it on a lot. Yeah, when they for had to. Yeah. The postseason and even before like the the last two games and stuff, yeah. so. But I mean it's it's tough, you know, <laughs> it's tough for any team to drive, you know, 90, 80 yards consistently when you're, you know, I talk on Talking Giants all the time about, you know, 10 to 4, you know, 10 to 12 play drives, a lot of plays in a drive. It's so tough to score consistently seven points when you have so many drives with so many plays. You you run out of plays and the more you're on the field, the more you're the more a defense is learning about you. Um and also, I mean, doesn't this just perfectly kind of set up? Now this this is not we have to give Eli a game ball. So a, a game ball is going to Eli Manning, but I do kind of want to talk about Justin Tuck was awesome in this game he was awesome in both games and i, I actually do want to yeah for his second for the second straight super bowl against new england you could even make an argument that he was the mvp again yeah for both super bowls you can make an argument that he was right there um i still give it to eli obviously and i'm sure we're, we'll talk about for a second the um the greatest throw in in super bowl history yes eli to manningham on the sideline which which didn't bill belichick Say to make him throw it to Manningham. Yes. Am I right or wrong? Yes. It's like Pascal we, Manningham. Because make him throw it to them. Take Cruz and Nicks out. Make him throw it to Pascal. Make him throw it to Manningham. Well, you stupid son of a bitch. Eli threw it to Mario Manningham. Because in that game, and we won't forget about Tuck, but in that game, Manningham dropped some balls. Mm-hmm. Manningham dropped some balls. I'm pretty sure he even had a. Did he have a fumble throw? Somebody. Two, I think it was two receivers had a fumble. It was Cruz that had a fumble, but there was a 12 men on the field penalty for the Patriots, and then it led directly to the Victor Cruz touchdown. And then it was either Nix or Manningham that had a fumble. But regardless, Manningham had some dropped passes, and despite him having an awesome postseason leading up to that. Um, even he had a very important catch against San Francisco, despite that he being did. one of his two catches. Um, despite having an awesome postseason, it really wasn't until the fourth quarter of Super Bowl Forty Six where he really, you know, left his mark, most notably from that catch. But before we talk about the catch, because I want I want to make that like a moment. Just Justin Tuck, you know, Steve Weatherford is pinning back, you know, the Patriots, and then the first score of the game is the Justin Tuck safety. Now, this is Justin Tuck's Super Bowl resume. Total sacks, four. Total QB hits, five. Total tackles for loss, four. Total tackles, nine. That's a very, very impressive Super Bowl resume. Now, I I need clarification on this. Justin Tuck technically had three sacks this game. Do they not? I mean, and I count the Justin Tuck sack in the in the end zone where Tom Brady falls down. I count that as a sack. I don't know if they counted that as a sack in the box score. 
Hmm. Because look, I you you can see it in the scoring. It says safety, intentional grounding penalty in the end zone on Tom Brady. Let me go to the actual play by play sheet. Well, well, is it not a sack because it was a, it was a penalty? So the penalty is the play. Would they not count it as a sack? Yeah. Oh no, you're right. It's not a. I'm 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 a total idiot. It's not right, a because, sack because he threw the ball. Right. That's what I'm thinking. But it's but it's oh yeah, he does. He throws the ball. He throws the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. But so technically, Duh. it's it. But I do count that as a sack because it, the sack leads leads. Shit, to it got us two points. A safety, correct. So I say five. You know, five sacks. So then five QB hits because you know you automatically count that as a as a QB hit. Um, correct. And then total tackle for loss four, total tackles nine. So that's a very very impressive, damn impressive. Yeah, very very impressive. And he argued definitely. I'd say maybe a little bit more in forty six. He deserved the. MV, if there was an offensive and a defensive MVP, he deserved uh, a, l- a little bit more in 46 because of the moments at which he had the sacks. It was the first yeah. score of the game, and then the second sack that he had was the in last the fourth drive. quarter. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's just true. That's true. He was he was big when, when needed most. Um, and I think that was really like the, the end of, of Justin Tuck because he, he kind of had a down year. He like wasn't yeah. his productive self, I'm pretty sure, in 2011. But when it mattered most, man... That guy stepped up. Terrific giant. Terrific giant. So let's jump to the throw. The throw. The throw. throw. I do think I'm going to – I put up a poll on Twitter, and yes. Okay, so it has 54 votes, which isn't bad. Is the consensus amongst Giants fans that the Eli to Tyree throw in Super Bowl Forty Two is the greatest play in Super Bowl history – but the Eli to Manningham throw in Super Bowl forty six is the best throw in Super Bowl history. What do you, I, I think that's fair, right? Yeah. and I think that's obvious. That's right? fair. I mean, the, the throw to Tyree is not a great throw at all. Actually, it was a fucking duck. Um, but the play itself, the whole thing, getting out of the sack and then finding Tyree, absolutely. The throw to Manningham could not have been more perfect. If it, I, honestly, if it's an inch. In front, an inch behind, an inch to the side, an inch to the right. This incomplete. He literally put it right in the breadbasket where only Manningham could catch the ball. It's a ridiculous throw. There was three guys around him. Yeah. And he, it's a ridiculous throw. Manningham couldn't drop the ball. He couldn't drop the ball. No. And he got hit, too. Like, he held on to it. He yeah. got his feet in. It was an unbelievable catch and, and throw. The whole play. Just unbelievable. It's. I don't think it's as big as the Tyree and all the theatrics that that play in Super Bowl Forty Two entailed. But... Pure throw and catch, unbelievable. Eli threw it from the five yard line. E- uh, Manningham caught it at the forty six yard line. That was a forty one yard dot. Forty one yards, like you know, air yards, right? Forty one yard dot. And the crazy thing is, is, is if you watch this play, and I, I didn't, and I never noticed this. You know, rewatching it, you know, you go and I'm, I'm looking for certain things because I know I have to talk about it. Manningham wasn't even the first read on that play. So Manning looked at his first read for a second on the right side of the field, glances to Manningham for a split second, releases the ball. So you know here you know here's the thing we you know we typically think all world greatest Super Bowl throw of all time. Eli is just staring him down the whole way. He knows where he's going with the ball, and he puts the ball in with impeccable ball placement. No, it's the fact that. He like it was literally a millisecond before Eli then decides to start his throwing motion 
you know, that he's going to step up and he, you know, he kind of, he kind of had a, a, an offensive lineman in his face where he couldn't fully step up. He still pushed off his back leg. So he's able to get the velocity on it. Um, but this just, I think that throw personifies and the way that Eli was able to go through his progressions, that play with the impeccable, perfect ball placement to Manningham, it personified everything that Eli did right in 2011. First mm. of all, this game, we do have to mention how unbelievable he was. I know we have in the past, but that 2011 season is all Eli. Yes. Yes. He was incredible. Yeah, you talked about how kind of bad the team was. Yeah, they were <laughs> shit. The, show. the team was bad. But Eli and, was just unreal, and he went 30 for 40 this game. I, I forgot about that. That's a 75% completion yeah, rate crazy. in the Super just, Bowl. I think just under, just under 300, right? Yeah. 296. 30 for 40. Crazy. Yeah. No turnovers. No. Only took three sacks, so you know, with the with the somewhat bad offensive line, you right. know, only took three sacks in that game, and I think a lot of them kind of came in the first half too. I think two of them might have came in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, I, so, if only Eli would have taken regular season games and thought they were playoff games or Super Bowls, he might go down as the greatest quarterback ever. The man just probably didn't give a shit about the regular season. No, I mean, twenty eleven, he was just something different. Just yeah, he his, was a man possessed. Seeing his footwork. Seeing the uh, the ball placement, I mean, yeah. th- there were just so many tight knit throws to uh, Cruz. We talked about last week the similarity between the Him David Tyree. Tyree touchdown yeah. catch and then the Victor Cruz touchdown catch to start off to well, that was the first official touchdown the Giants had this game. Um, we talked about the similarities there, right. but even outside of that touchdown catch and the you know the throw the the throw and the catch to Manningham. There was a ton of specifically going to Cruz and Knicks where mm-hmm. they were double covered or blanketed and Eli just puts the ball in a spot where they only can catch it. Right. The zip was there. Everything was there. He was, I mean, just phenomenal. Footwork. All... I mean, it's also the footwork yeah. too, you know, because seeing Eli towards the end of his career and seeing just how, you know, he was, he was a lame duck, you know, and, and that's why. I I hated when people I hated when people were making excuses for Eli towards the latter end of his career saying, oh, Eli was never mobile. Eli, Eli could never manipulate the pocket. Watch what he was doing in 2011. Yeah, yeah, it's actually bullshit. No shit. He can't run like Lamar Jackson, but the man could absolutely move around. He got skittish. He was just he had PTSD from years of incompetence on that offensive line. And at the end, he just couldn't do it. Last three years or so, he just wasn't in the cards. But um that's neither here nor there. We don't remember Eli for those. We remember Eli for plays and moments like like he brought us in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I think before the year, Eli went on the Michael K show, and that was the whole, yeah, I'm a, I'm elite. He goes, so do you put your you put your name with those of Tom Brady? He goes, yeah, yeah, I think I'm in that class. Um, yada yada, and he went out there and he fucking proved it yeah. all year long. Six fourth quarter, or excuse me, six game winning drives. I think five fourth quarter comebacks. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Bowl. I, that was that was just during the regular season too. So that was seven game winning drives in total Crazy. for yeah. that year. Crazy. Yeah, just Crazy. remarkable. Um, episode idea. Episode idea is going into the intricacies of Eli Manning's 2011 season where. There are kind of analytics out there about how good Eli was in 2011 that the people have gone back and recorded data. Um, you know, we can just go back and watch the games. They're all on NFL Game Pass. 
So we should make that an episode, whether we do it this year, you know, whenever. Get to uh, it, though, because he does deserve to be appreciated for that yeah, season. That, that, absolutely- that could be even like a, a two-parter where we take two weeks yeah. to appreciate that 2011 season. Because I really do think, kind of again, kind of comparing it to Eli's latter end of his career, I think the fact that a lot of people made a lot of excuses for Eli towards the latter end of his career, it almost it doesn't do him justice about what he did in 20 years like 2011 years like 2015 i think 2000 you know 2009 2008 he was really good too 2012 i feel like he was really good um besides you know he had a couple dud years like 2013 2014 he was really good too with first year ben mcadoo system yeah oh yeah so there's remembering you know that's my point where the last couple years where a lot of people where the fan base was so split on is he good? Is he not good? Does he still have it? Does he not still have it? I was so on the train of he does not have it, and it's because I try to remember just how good he was in games like this and in right. years like this to remember right. how good he was. It's like this Eli doesn't deserve these excuses because he was so much better. No, I know, I know, like, and that was that was the crying call for all Giants fans. It was either you're making excuses or you can just see that he's just not the same guy anymore. Um, and a beloved figure, I, I would think, from all Giants fans. I don't know how anybody at this stage in life can not love and appreciate what he did. Um, but yeah, towards the end, there should be no excuses made because he clearly did it before. Um, but he did add a add a, a new um, new chip to his arsenal by becoming the greatest thrower of slants ever and watching Odell take right. the slant 80 yards. So, what an what an adaptive guy. Um, but speaking of Odell, uh, I have a shithead to give out. Oh don't yes, mind. yes. Uh, see what I did there. Speaking of Odell, yes, I nice. have a shithead. Shit. Yeah. Uh huh. Shit. Fuck him. Anyway, Ahmad Bradshaw. Ooh. Oh. Yes. This is. I. I think you I know. Told... You know. You know how much I love Ahmad Bradshaw. Yes. But he he was my favorite offensive giant like growing up um and i and i think i called it i put down on my notes one of the weirdest game winning touchdowns in super bowl history it has to be the weirdest yeah because they didn't want him to score they wanted to burn that clock down and have Tynes kick a 20 yard field goal for the super bowl instead a running back sees a lane that open it's kind of hard to stop your momentum i could imagine um you know i played d1 running back for a really big school so i would know but yeah. um uh <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't just I, could, play I couldn't keep i couldn't keep playing it off um uh, but no I, it's got to be impossible to stop and you want to score but there was a lot of time left like it's tom brady you know it's not some schlub it's over a minute and it's they over had a two minute. timeouts i'm over a minute like I, I was you celebrate it real quick and then you're like fuck that's the only reason I give him the shit at because he he didn't cost us obviously the defense just put the clamps on him, um, but it could have been it was very nerve wracking what he did so yeah that's why I give him my my shithead and yeah, also quick quick shout out to uh, substitute teacher Chase Blackburn for the interception yes I was actually gonna bring that up because at that point I believe it was seventeen to fifteen at the end of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. The Giants put two field goals after two field goals on the board after the Patriots make it seventeen to nine with eleven twenty left 
in the third quarter. They come out of the half firing. They had the touchdown at the end of the first half where Tom that's when I think that's when Tom Brady starts like his 16 yeah, in a row yeah. stretch maybe. Um and it's typical Patriots score before half get the ball yeah. score after half. Yeah. Yep. That's what I, I thought we were fucked. I really did. Oh, so I was good. I was I was going to kind of ask you like 17 to 9, 11, 20 left. How are you feeling? You're This is it. This this was the revenge game. We don't have the defense. They've 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 chunked out everything. It's over. They've exposed us. We weren't really moving the ball. We weren't scoring. It was I, I thought it was a wrap. An absolute wrap. And then you look back and they oh, they never scored another point after that. Correct. Yeah, they were done. Crazy. Yeah. Um Crazy. there were a couple more sacks that, that were thrown in there. Dave Tollefson does not get credit for a sack that he deserves and he is still salty about to this day. Um 17 to 15 Giants respond um to the Aaron Hernandez touchdown uh with a couple more field goals. Um, you missed it. What was that? I tried to do the the kick that Tollison did. I you missed. I did it. not see. It. Wait, all right, wait. Talk. Talk. Do it. Oh, okay. You want me to? You want me to do it? You want me to really try? Okay, I'm gonna really try. Here we go. Huh? I thought you were going. I thought you were going to go down. Yeah, I I don't have much room here, so I, I did my best. I don't even think my leg. You could see my leg in the camera. So well, w- when you got up, we saw it. All right. Yeah. I um. You know, I'm not the most roadhouse. flexible person. So shout out Dave Towson. I love that. That uh, was a good roadhouse. Thank you. I really tried. I yeah. really tried. I love you, Dave. Great guy. Seventeen fifteen at the end of the third quarter. Um. Then Chase Black Chase Back Little Blackburn. Fourth quarter comes up with that interception, which I, I think they tell the story in America in America's game, or you know, I, I heard some kind of story where like Chase Blackburn like never went out in coverage, never, mm-hmm. never yeah. played man. It was always um what's his face Jaquan Williams because he was fast, always Jaquan Williams that yep. that 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 was the game plan to keep track of these tight ends. Um, but then Blackburn comes out with the interception. How how tell me tell me your thoughts. How did you react? Tell me your thoughts. Well, I I originally went nuts. Because, I mean, that's a big pick. I think it was third yep. down, though, right? Correct? Yes, so, it was. So, in actuality, it was pretty much like, actually, it might have been worse than a punt. <laughs> um, pretty much the same thing, but it's kind of just a momentum thing, you know? That riles the team up. It's Chase Blackburn, substitute teacher of the year. So, um, just a time of the game where you're like, okay, maybe, maybe this changes momentum a little bit. Maybe we get... The offense gets going now, so uh, just a just a great play, and, and in the moment you just you're revved up. You there's nothing like an interception. I love a good interception, especially one like that, and a hobbled Gronk too. Um, yeah. One fully, final point. One final point healthy, I want to bring up. It? Yeah, one final point I want to bring up about this game in terms of play? a hobbled Gronk. The last play. You said you got scared about the Hail Mary in 07. I got more scared about the Hail Mary at the end in 2011. Where so I, close. I think if Gronkowski maybe is at full strength, he can kind of dive and lunge a little bit more for that ball, so then he catches it and it's a touchdown. Yeah, it's the ball is very close to being in his reach. Very yeah. close. Very close. close. And honestly, could you imagine losing like that? Oh, that... I probably... Honestly, I'm not... I'm a very dramatic person. And a very ridiculous, moronic lunatic. 
I may never have watched football again if that's how the Giants <laughs> lost. I'm serious. I don't blame you. I don't think any team, anybody, any person, any any normal, self-respecting person could ever recover from that. Losing, ever. Losing a Super Bowl on a Hail Mary. Yeah. Imagine. God. Well, guess what? We did. Didn't, fu- didn't fucking happen. Ball touched the turf. We win. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. Super Bowl 25. I kind of feel bad that I, I, I took the majority of like complimenting Eli Manning by identifying how bad he was towards the latter end of his career. But That's you know, all right. You, got, you need context. Right. I, I was providing the context of the recency bias versus how good he was. Okay. Super Bowl 25. Another fun game. This game had there there was a lot of storylines that were happening kind of like outside the game that was important to like shape the game. So mm-hmm. Super Bowl 25, January 27, 1991, the New York Football Giants uh were playing the Buffalo Bills. They won by a score of 22-19. Yeah, they did. In Tampa. Same place where the Super Bowl is being held this year, Tampa Stadium. Uh, probably, I don't know if it's the same stadium. Probably I'm not. pretty sure Tampa is also the stadium where the Ravens kicked our dicks in. Oh, tough. Sorry. No, tough for us. I'm pretty sure. Tough for us. Yeah, not good. Murder, Ray Lewis. Murder-er. So there were a lot of things that were happening this game. One of those things that was happening was Operation Desert Storm. George H.W., um, George Bush's, you know, George Bush Sr. Rest in um, peace. Rest in peace. He called troops into the Gulf. He called troops into Iraq, you know, to, to go fight. I'm not the biggest historian, uh, especially about this particular moment, but I know during the halftime show, which the halftime show was supposed to be um, New Kids on the Block, they actually showed it after the game. Do, do, you have a, do you have a New Kids on the Block song you want to sing? Uh, no. I was just singing one in my head, but I don't want to do it. Please, we're well, not. We're, t- we're talking about war and stuff. It's just not appropriate. Yeah, nope. War. What is a good? We, you sang Absolutely that on nothing. Faith the Public. I did. Once. War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, really great. Maybe by the end of this. Maybe by the end of the show, I'll uh, do a little new kids on the block. Sure, sure. To celebrate two Super Bowl wins. New Kids on the Block, they were playing the halftime show in person, but it was live coverage of Operation Desert, Desert Storm. Um, I know the Giants, they mentioned this in America's Game, the Giants, and specifically Otis Anderson, OJ, uh, they dedicated this game to the troops, and it was a very, this is probably one of the most patriotic Super Bowls. I don't exactly know, you would maybe know this a little bit better, the Super Bowl that happened after 9-11, Maybe you know that was probably definitely a let's come together moment, you know, for for the nation. But also this was as well in Tampa, you know, um, um, America. You know, uh, football's kind of America's pastime. Like let's, let's it, it is it, the baseball story is called, it's it's football. Yeah, football so, is America. That's the one thing that I feel like everybody can agree on is their love for football. Yes. Also, Whitney Houston. Whitney, I was about to say to have the best national anthem of all time sang before this game by Whitney Houston um, is incredible. Every single Pop Warner game that I played in Port Reading for the Port Reading Saints, uh, Whitney Houston sang the national anthem. Yeah, when we have our fantasy football draft live in person, we make sure we play Whitney Houston's rendition of the national anthem for the Super Bowl. So, brings, so a, a, tear lot of, your, brings a tear to your eye. Yeah, a lot of historic um, 
ramifications that are happening outside of this game, outside of the game itself, that are ultimately like connected to this game. So Giants won. Norwood, wide right, no good. Uh, by the way, by the way, it's that's my game ball. I'm just getting that out of the way. Cool. Norwood. Yeah, Scott, right? Scott Norwood. I, he won the Super Bowl for us. I love that. So 47 yarder, I believe. Yes, 47 yards. <laughs> Stupid oh. bitch. <laughs> oh, this is actually a very useful stat. You know, we talked about the broadcasts of like the 80s and the 90s, John Madden, Pat Summerall, stuff like that. I don't know who was on the call this game. I didn't watch the full game. So I don't know who was on the call. You can look that up really quick while I say this. But a stat that they include in the broadcast, and, you know, they didn't include a lot of stats, but I feel like the stats that they did include, they were kind of helpful and they were kind of useful. They included that um, Norwood. What? Who? Sorry. Who was it? Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, Dan Deardorff. Oh, what a crew. That's a great crew. Yeah. Then you had Lynn Swan on the sideline. Oh, speaking of Al Michaels, we have we forgot to talk about the line. The line was minus six and a half. <laughs> so Al Michaels definitely, uh, definitely probably was heavy betting on the Bills, and I'm sure he was betting the under. Like, oh, the under, oh, tough. The over under was forty. God, he was, was ha- oh thirty nine. Wow, he was definitely on the over. He's, definitely Al, on the over. Al Michaels doesn't bet no. He doesn't, doesn't bet, bet unders. Under. He doesn't bet unders. But the thing about Norwood, the stat that they showed on the broadcast, Norwood was one for five on field goals of 40-plus yards on grass. Like, very specific. Like, right. on grass, 40-plus yards. Which I'm like, that's helpful. That's a very that's helpful right. stat because it came 47 to yards. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's great. I, my, my dad always tells me that um, him and my mom did not watch the, the kick. They waited for everybody's reaction. They were at a Super Bowl party. And they went up the stairs, so they're up the stairs, and the TV's in front, so they're mm-hmm. behind it. And then they, they couldn't just, do it. They, they couldn't do it. I honestly, I don't even know if I could. Um, and they they waited for everybody's reaction, and lo and behold, that's how it. That's how they knew they that we won the Super Bowl. So pretty great, I would say. Um, mm, I don't know if I would survive that though. I don't think I could handle that. Like if it's you would have died on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's a kick that's gonna take it to overtime, that's a little different. This is life or death, though. Yeah, literally, life or death. Hmm. Well, glad I didn't have to to witness it. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I would have fucking done anything to witness it, but you get my drift. Yeah. Anyway, and it's but it's crazy that you you look at what the Bills did. The Bills. Before this game and their two playoff games, scored forty four points and fifty one points. Crazy. You know they had um, Thurman Thomas, a Hall of Fame running back, very good player. Um, Kelly, Hall of Fame quarterback, and is Reed is Reed in the Hall of Fame? Andre Reed, yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. So yeah. <laughs> three Hall of Fame players Crazy. on offense, and um, you know it, it's funny how you know we'll talk about like the game plan and the approach that the Giants had now on defense. It's funny how I got into a debate with Carl Banks about do it, baby. the value of stopping the run versus stopping explosive plays in the pass game or just stopping the pass in general. And then we got into that whole argument. We got into that whole debate. And then I go and I watch America's game 1990-1991 and guess who is the one who is being interviewed? Go ahead. 
Let me. I want to guess. Go ahead, finish. I want to. I want to be the one to guess, though. So finish. Guess who was the one talking about the game plan that Bill, the unconventional game plan that Bill Belichick had to stop the high-powered Bills offense? Callbacks. Correct. Ah. What a great guess by me. And what so, was that game plan, Justin? Basically, we are going to stop the pass at the expense of the run. Mm. Wow. You know, wow. The, and it even it even makes sense thinking about what the Giants had offensively too. You know, their their game plan offensively, and I think, you know, Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells says this. I want to see if I can get it right here. Bill Parcells, it was basically run with power. That that was the quote that he was saying on the sideline. Um and at the time the Giants' offense broke the total time of possession for in Super Bowl history. That still might stand today, by the way. I believe their total time of possession was... 40 minutes and 33 seconds. Yeah. Compared um, to is, Buffalo's 19 minutes and 27 seconds. Which is insane because... That's lunacy. You know, you watch some of the highlights and you watch what... Yeah, you watch, yeah, you watch the highlights and you even look at the total yards at the end of the game... The Bills had 371 total yards of offense. The Giants had 386. But the way that the Giants were able to stop the Bills in terms of what their bread and butter is, which is big plays, which is chunk plays. I mean, you don't score 44 points and 51 points in the previous two weeks in the playoffs by Thurman Thomas just grounding and pounding all day. No, no you, had, you had Jim Kelly. You had Jim Kelly and you had Hall yeah. of Fame wide receivers. Good ball player. You had a Hall of Fame, you had a Hall of Fame offense. Um, so yeah. the whole plan was I, to, it's, okay, okay, sorry, no, go ahead. No, 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 please. Cause I'm going to piggyback off what you say. So go ahead. No, the whole plan was to limit yards after catch and overall limit those explosive plays, which I think Andre Reed said after that game, he said, I have never been hit as hard as I was hit in this game, because that was the game plan of playing back. Letting Thurman Thomas uh, uh, run, kind of run all over, run rampant, because it was O.J. Anderson that was told if Norwood misses the field goal, he's going to win MVP. And then if Norwood hits the field goal, Thurman Thomas Thurman was going to win MVP. MVP. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is running back matter. The game, and this I'm is kidding. why I look. This, this is kidding. why I like looking back at certain games and the way the game was played because. There was a time where we're absolutely running backs. I'm not yeah. saying they don't matter now, but there was absolutely a time period where they did matter. Um, and the better they were, the better your offense probably was. So, correct. Um, I think this game is just truly a testament to how unbelievably coached the Giants were. Yeah. Because we, we've we spent this whole time, and we haven't even mentioned that the Giants weren't playing with their starting quarterback. No. Phil Sims was out. Jeff Hosteller was a backup quarterback. I'm pretty sure the next year he was a real estate agent. I don't even know. Like, he was not a world-beater quarterback. At least, I don't think so, I, by checking the numbers and no, just from what I've No, during the regular heard. season, save that thought. During the regular season, I looked back, and because there, uh, there was at some point this year in the Giants, you know, 2020 Giants, there was some point where there was some doubt of whether Daniel Jones was going to get over 10 touchdown passes. Yeah. So I needed to look and see, for quarterbacks that started at least 10 games – in an NFL season, was there ever a Giants quarterback that did that did not get to ten touchdown passes? And that was Jeff Hostetler. Oh, of course. During the nineteen ninety season, he had nine touchdown passes. Yeah, 
sound, that sounds about right. And uh, actually, this is a really cool shirt, Daniel Jones and the Giants thing. Anyway, yeah. um, hate Daniel Jones, but um, I don't hate him. I just want him to, to improve and be really good. Anyway, Jeff Hostella, yes. Uh, great mustache. Not a great quarterback. Let's be honest. Um, like 20 points, that's, that's whatever. But He did just, have a good game, though. He did. I was, I was actually just about to say... 20 and 32 for, for 222 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, and no turnovers is pretty good. Like, with the defense you had and the, the, the way the game was played and Otis Anderson going over 100 yards, that's that was more than enough. So, And there was a ton, a ton of third downs that they faced all day. All day. Just third and 11s, third and 7s, third and 8s. And that, you know, I know, you know, OJ Otis Anderson had a really great day. He deserves that MVP. But the Giants don't break the time of possession record. And especially in the second half, they don't have two drives that spanned like 17 minutes. They don't have those two long drives that basically sealed them the game without Hostetler passing on third down. And then also uh, my game ball goes to um, goes to Mark Ingram. No. Yeah, for one of the grittiest and most forgotten, but also best plays in franchise history on that third and 13. He has three broken tackles, and then that fourth guy that touches him winds up bringing him down, but he lunges for the first down marker. It was the third and 13, right? and he picks up the first down, and it keeps that long, sustaining drive uh, open, and it either results in a field goal or a touchdown that, you know. But it resulted in points, yes. Yes. Yes, that and drive every, every point was clearly of the essence. So that is a great, a great find on your end and Mark Ingram. So um, God bless his soul. That's what I have to say about that. It's a great game ball, honestly. Yes, it's Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker, um, yeah, had a touchdown too with this game, which he's just a personal favorite because he signed a he signs everything. He's such a really nice guy. Um, I have his email. We should try to get him on the show. Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh. OJ's a great guy too. Not Simpson. That he's a murderer. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying calling him OJ without feeling guilty. Yeah, no, I know. I it's just it's I wanted to I just, such a cool nickname. It's a great nickname for, yeah. for a guy. I also the name Otis is awesome too. But yeah. uh he, he's a frequent at a restaurant. Or he's a regular at a restaurant I frequent. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay, great. It makes sense. Thanks. Me and my dad were sitting at the bar before COVID once. And a guy was sitting next to us, was wearing a hat, and I look, and I go to my dad. I'm like, "Is that is that OJ Anderson?" And that's like, my dad looks. Yeah, my dad's dope. He looks. He goes, "That ain't OJ Anderson." <laughs> I was like, "All right, whatever, fine." So of course, I naturally Google what OJ Anderson looks like, and I'm like, "Dad, it's fucking OJ Anderson. He's sitting right there at the end of the bar." So my dad, the dope that he is, loving the death, great guy. Goes up to him. I'm like, oh, fuck me. Goes up to me. Goes, he goes, hey, my, my, my son over here thinks you're, you're a former football player for the Giants. And he goes, I was. And my dad goes, OJ Anderson? No shit. <laughs> he's like, it's very nice to meet you, sir. And he goes up to me. He's like, it's very nice to meet you. And he signed, uh, he signed, I, all I had was like one of those napkins, you know, you get at a, the town restaurant. Yeah. Signed that. Actually, Justin, it's the place that we go to for when you come up here. No way. Yes. He's good friends with the owner. Yes, he's great. He's great friends with the owner. So that was that was when I met OJ Anderson. Very nice guy. Snacks were just about done. Yes, we are. I I would I would have 
hated myself. I didn't tell my OJ story. My Look. shithead is you once again. What? My shithead is you. Um, do you want to sing some? Um, what do you call it? No, now I don't. What's the band called? I forgot. New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block. No, I don't want to sing it. All right. You made me really upset. Why am I a shithead? What did I do? I think that's just a tradition. Whenever we talk about a game or multiple games in an episode and there's not a clear shithead, I always just give it to you. All right. That's fine. I don't mind. I'm a a grown-up. I could take it. You're a big boy. Yeah, I'm a big boy. You know, um, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. I don't care. It's fucking rude, but whatever. All right. want to thank everybody for watching as usual. You're great people. I'm like... I'm like my co-host who's a scumbag. Um, yeah, that's you. Mm-hmm. Scumbag. So please like, please subscribe, comment, 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 comment again if you want. It's fine. Um, but I will speak for myself, not Justin, because he's a miserable, terrible person and his ego is too big to love anybody but himself. True. I love you all. Thank you for watching. This is very true. Next week, odds are... We're probably going to be pushed to a new release time, mm-hmm. 6 p.m., the premiere. So then 7 p.m., it will be available to you know watch at any point of the show. Um, but I like utilizing the premiere feature. If you enjoy what we're doing, come hang out and watch the premiere with us. We're going to push it more to the evening so more people can watch in it. So with, no, we're not doing it at 8 a.m. like lunatics. So on a Monday we'll see morning. you next week on Monday morning. We will see you next <laughs> week. We will see you next Monday, Monday evening. We're going to have some different kinds of episodes coming out. We have Valentine's Day approaching. Um, you know, we're, we're going to start reading some books. Which, And honestly, when we were reading If These Walls Could Talk uh, during the summer, and we, when we were reading books, when we were kind of talking about giant stories, that was my most favorite part about the podcast, rather than talking about games. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sticking with us. Like, comment, subscribe, do whatever Snacks said. Um, he will murder you if you don't listen to him. Keep on bleeding blue. Peace. We'll see you next week.